And there we go. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to VUX World with me, Kane Sims, fresh off the plane from Munich, where we had All About Voice uh, last Friday. And I have to say, it was absolutely fantastic. The 169 Labs team really do know how to put on a show. I'm sure you might be able to rewatch that if you Google All About Voice, uh, because it was spectacular uh today i'm joined by sean austin who is the co-founder and ceo of helios or helios life enterprises as it's technically known and uh, we're going to be talking all around uh speech analytics and uh being able to analyze people's tone of voice using voice ai which is uh, incredibly exciting so sean thank you very much for joining me and welcome yeah thank you for the invitation excited to talk about uh, all things speech analytics nice nice sounds good um before we do get into that conversation, uh, I want to tell you about the webinar that we are doing with TalkDesk next week on December the 8th. It is all about conversational commerce. And so if you are looking for ways in which you can utilize conversational AI going beyond customer support and customer service, which is where a lot of the attention is spent right now, and focusing on instead revenue generation use cases and sales activities, then this webinar next week is going to be for you. It's with Dawn Harpster, who's a senior conversational architect at TalkDesk, and we're going to be getting into just how conversational AI can and is in practice contributing to the bottom line with sales. So do join us next Thursday. If you want to join, you can either go to the VUX World website, VUX.world and click on the events tab, or you can go to VUX.LA forward slash commerce and you can find out more and register there. Looking forward to that conversation next week. Um, but Sean, as I said, welcome. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and about, about Helios. Absolutely. So I've been a technologist and, and deep actually in the audio space for really my whole career. This has been a, a really important piece of my journey here, as well as my co-founders, who is the academic end of this. But what's possible with audio was really illuminated to me when I was at Spotify through their first acquisition ever, uh, I think going on 10 years ago, actually. But that uh, technology, that idea that audio could be so much more, I mean, they've proven it. I was part of the team that worked closely with recommendations. So they blended AI with mass audio, with mass consumers, and were able to get people the music they want based upon the way they hear music, the way they consume it. So I can always point to that as, you know, being there for with a startup and Spotify nearly four years, <clears throat> going to the top of the really world on what programming could be for music, you know, most influential playlist and most influential uh, channel with that great team there led by some really smart people that um, still are in the music industry deeply that uh, that set the stage for this. So Helios founded in 2017 comes from this idea that we know human beings are the most prominent, you know, well-adapt, sophisticated biologically beings that use tone. So I'm using it now. Kane, you're using it when you talk. We actually beat other uh, types of human beings, right? Other uh, subspecies, if you want to call it that, right? With the Denisovans or the Neanderthals, right? Because our branch was better at understanding, better at communicating, potentially even better at tone, right? This idea that we have the most sophisticated tracheal, you know, all these sort you know, can go down that rabbit hole, but we are most sophisticated. We use it all the time. It's actually helped us evolve. It helped us uh, communicate. It helps us expand. It helps us evolve as a entire species, is at the heart of Helios, right? The center of the you know world almost because it's the sun or center of the universe, right? That is what we're focused on. We believe that understanding has dramatic implications for our future. I wouldn't want to be working on anything else. Spotify was a fantastic like precursor to what's possible, but they're focused on music and now podcasts and, and moving on. But we see it as sort of this general layer to computing that needs to be there. Mm, interesting. 2017. So Helios means what? The center of the universe? Well, so it's the sun. It's like sun god, right? So we took sort of these Greek, you know, ancient um, mythologies, right? But this concept was really the belief that transparency or the tone that can illuminate, like, actually user experience, like the experience of discussing or understanding is the center. You know, 38% of a message is from tone of voice. And one could say different studies say like 42 or 36, right? All that. But it's a pretty known, not Helios fact, it's a pretty known component of the world that tone is so well established. And if you ask anybody, ask anyone who's been uh, successfully married for quite some decades, I think they'll tell you the tone of voice and understanding that is very key <laughs> to their success, as well as, you know, communicating with your children or communicating with your best friend or your family or your parents or, you know, or any loved one, right? That is how we connect. That's how we understand. 
um, that's how we actually, you know, get better. Mm, interesting. You're right. There's a really good, um, there's a really good scene in Friends. Don't know if you watch Friends or if you've, I'm assuming you've oh, seen oh, it. Yeah. Everyone seems to have seen, seen Friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it's it's one of them programs that's just always on ambiently in the background, and, that and the there's office a really or, good or yeah. It's it's on Netflix now, so it's just in the kitchen. It just seems to be on the background all the time. And I was telling you how terrible this house is for kind of like you know soundproofing, so you can hear everything that's going on everywhere in this house. So I'm basically just hearing Friends all day. <laughs> uh, but there's a really good there's a really good uh, scene in Friends where Joey is doing this is in this play, and it wasn't very good. And at the end of it, he comes to the rest of the kind of crew and stuff and he says, how do you think it was? And they all say, oh, yeah, yeah it was OK. It was OK. He said, well, there's an agent that wants to speak to me afterwards. So I'll catch up with you in a minute. And Phoebe says, based on this play, and he, got, and he looks at Phoebe like really sort of like shocked that she would have such an opinion. And she went, based on this play, like that. And <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah. Exactly the same words were said. Perfect. The only thing that was changed was the tone, but it completely changed the meaning. And that, I mean, that is... A great example that I mean to do uh, borrow from you in the future. That is like exactly <laughs> what we're focused on. We're not the only ones in the world doing it, right? There's a great um, company, Sunday Health, for instance. I have no affiliation with them, but a great company doing work with like um, healthcare. So wellness, where the sound of your voice and the tremors in it have very important meaning for early onset Parkinson's detection, right? Because that sort of like breakdown of your tracheal um, reverberations are known and they're very noticeable if anyone you know has has knows someone with parkinson's or early onset and then it progresses right so nothing about how or sorry nothing about what you speak really would detect it but the voice is totally you know an amazing diagnostic tool so there's companies that have deployed it we're certainly very aware of the space we've definitely focused on a very unique sector and the only company focused on it which is scary but also at the same time like what you need to do if you're pushing forward is uh, finance. So the world of finance is arguably the most high stakes marketplace in the world. Understanding, transparency. I mean, these are like table stakes for anybody, right? The, all the dollars spent and all the trades happening are for transparency. You have people who, you know, uh, I won't comment on it too much, but like certain people in the media, you know, owning large crypto exchanges may or may not have been transparent. Could you have gotten more from the tone of voice, right? Like it is a piece of every conversation people now go back and think about it and are looking at the calls and the, you know, conversations with certain people. And I, and I just say like, you know, this has to be everywhere, right? We're, we're thinking it already. Equity analysts have been doing it for decades. They know the tone of voice is important. Your example is great. You know, you can say different things with different tones. You can be excited. You can be depressed. You can know something about a M&A, right? So there's different directions, but if you don't have tone of voice, I mean, you're, you're kind of flying blind. Mm, interesting. Well, they do say that it's not, it's not like what you say; it's how you say, it, isn't it? And, and well, yeah, so X percent is verbal, X percent is what body language, X percent is tone. Um, so it's 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 really interesting. So there's another company actually that does something similar to what you were describing there. Canary Speech. I don't know if you come across Canary yep, Speech. I'm familiar. Yeah, yep. they had they had the whole kind of Parkinson's uh, diagnosis stuff and a dementia diagnosis stuff they've had for, for a few years now. Um, but yeah, it's amazing what it can do and, and, and where this technology is going. So so explain a little bit more about that use case then. So you're focusing on a financial, the financial industry and you mentioned their yep, equity the analysts and stuff like that. So I wonder if you can give us a, a sort of a more insight into the kind of use case, like where and how is this being used sort of thing. Yeah, right. I mean, so who it's for, right? When you think about, right, like uh, I built a lot of non-voice software in my life too, always thinking personas and of course the experiences, mm -hmm. understanding like who it, who is this for? It's for people who know transparency is important, right? They're, they're a perfect, you know, going deeper, perfect example of equity analysts, people who listen to these calls have been doing it for decades. They've been doing it through someone calling in and listening, right? Dialing in through a web link or a webinar as it kind of progressed. Zoom's even progressing at more, as you would imagine, more forward by using Zoom links for their earnings calls. So you can actually get video in these too. So it's a better experience, right? Better better UX actually. But the voice part has been listened to. The tone has been listened to. It's just not systematically digested and basically offered through a product stream. So when we talk about like who we have sold to, who continues to see value here, people know, some people could believe, oh, you don't need technology to do it, right? Like you can do it with just a person. 
uh, well, then they're not, this isn't for you. We're saying technology enables a better understanding, which you could plug into a machine and have that run, you know, algorithmically. You could look at a dashboard and see, a, you know, a score. Was the call good or bad? Right from the tone of voice, was it very bullish? Was it bearish? Those things we can produce and are producing. And if you fall into that category, which there's a lot, I think, and more who believe transparency is key to market efficiency and fundamentals now, <clears throat> then Helios is right for you. So, so what, for someone who is not familiar, I'd never heard of this equity analyst before. What what is it that an equity analyst does? You mentioned yeah, so, also earnings calls. Yep. How does, how do those point. two kind I, of come uh, together? Yeah, it's got to uh, zoom in too quick at times. So <laughs> any company that's public can be traded, right? If it's public, it's on an exchange, it can be traded. Understanding those companies is partially what an equity analyst does, an equity being a company, an analyst being someone who understands them, right? So there are a lot of different ways to understand a company. One day when Helios is public, there'll be uh, Helios running on my voice too, which will be very, very meta. But there, uh, there's people who will look at, you know, what was the revenue quarter over quarter? How many shipments did Tesla do, right? What's the ESG rating? So all this information to get a, you know, your mosaic to understand. Uh, an equity analyst is someone who thinks about those equities or those companies, right? And an earnings call is in actually globally more used in the U.S., but an earnings call is a quarterly, usually quarterly, uh, event where the leadership, you know, CEO, CFO, COO, right, have an opportunity to talk about the company. They release some standard projections, <clears throat> or sorry, I'm sorry, standard uh, statements, financial statements, as well as have a Q&A session. So when you think about like this, this actually interview, this conversation, Kane, uh, when you ask me something, if you ask me like, uh, where exactly will you be in two years and six months or, or something like that? Like, mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't really know. It'd be, you know, it's a question that, you know, reasonable and I probably fumble, I come up with some answer or something like that. But those sort of ideas and concepts are what people have known, equity analysts have known for decades is a harder question and a response from a CEO that gives you that fumbling means something, right? It doesn't mean they're lying. It doesn't mean something, but it potentially means they're not equipped to answer the question, which is potentially a way for them to position their dollars in the company more or less, right? So put more dollars in, change their portfolio. And then you can go and talk about all the more sophisticated algorithmic funds who do the sort of same thing, but they don't have people in the mix. They try to, you know, algorithmically do everything. But for me, mm -hmm. it's all around, like, to your question, all around, does someone analyze these calls? Do people believe transparency is key is in it? You know, do they think about the speakers? And there's a ton of traders, ton of investment asset managers in the world who want to understand their equities better. Interesting. So, so how, for those that are interested in transparency, how does the transparency element play into this? Is it is the assumption that the leaders that have these earnings calls aren't being transparent? So I'll give you a slightly long, longer answer. So we pull out unique characteristics of the voice, one being like loudness. So loudness has a lot of non-helio scientific research around relationship to like belief or the inverse of belief, like lack of understanding. It's not a perfect, you know, if all of a sudden Sean starts yelling to Kane, that doesn't mean uh, I know more. It also doesn't mean I'm definitely angry, but there are, of course, relationships and your ears are doing it right now. My ears are doing it right. So we have the machine taught on a lot of things, but if you try to like pare it down, there's certain characteristics that have relationship to performance, right? So if you get asked a question and you're typically louder than normal, we can say, and we can prove all these things that there's a relationship towards say stock movement negatively right? Or stock returns, or potentially if I, my voice tremors, which is now slightly different characteristic, um, that I'm not saying something. And actually we've shown that M&A, like a merger and acquisition can be statistically shown if I'm sounding a certain way. But we believe that's mm -hmm. because it's such a large event. Um, you know, Slack gets bought by what Salesforce for 16 billion or whatever, they're not 23 billion, I forget. Many billions, um, that's a big purchase. If I'm Benioff buying it, their CEO, you know, Mark Benioff, uh, we've shown that you can detect these little variations, right? Like he's getting asked questions about all different things, not even about buying anything because he can't release it, but he's known for months. He's about to buy, mm. he, but the company's about to buy something vastly expensive. Uh, it needs to go well, right? These are big decisions. And we can show that you can actually detect these little, these little changes. So it's, 
back to like <clears throat> you could think about like the healthcare situation where if you can detect these differences in voice from the tone, it means something, right? In that case, you know, a, a health right screener. We think about it right now for finance. Like, does it mean it's more volatile? Does it mean um, the stock's going to move in a positive or negative direction? You know, generally, does it mean the text is positive and the tone is negative? Does that mean there's some sort of discrepancy that exists? So all of these are, I mean, we're bleeding edge driving the research while building the product. So it's, you know, a piece of my, my 50, 15 second plug would be researchers in this space, not just customers, like researchers at universities or people interested. There's a place for them to be like bleeding edge researchers, kind of like Elon wants to always have uh, AI researchers on his team and, and plugs that. I would say like our voice stuff is so new. Uh, there's probably so many new things, right? We just got on NASDAQ.com for volatility today. That's just the, the scratching the surface still for what's possible with voice tone. Mm. So is so with the Salesforce example, what did you do? You you you've trained a model to 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 pick up on when someone is stuttering or or tremoring or whatever it might be, and then you've used presumably previous examples of sales calls where people have been asked merger and acquisition based questions. Including it, the well, Salesforce example, even and actually kind of, kind of a little bit, even even crazier. Try to cut you off there at the end is um, they don't even need to be asked questions about a merger and acquisition. It just weighs on them slightly that it's such a large magnitude event that it actually can be detectable in their voice. So I mean, what you said is right. Oh, I mean, right. With so many words, right? Like we know when these events happened in the past, right? We can pull a list. We have all of our voice measurements and our basically massive machines running these things. And we can basically do what you said, which is, can you bake a model? And then, you know, what, what's the performance, how you could trade it or all kind of details. But that is exactly the process, right? In so many words. So then you can say, well, can the voice tone detect these tremors? You know, can we call them certain things? Sure. But in the end of the day, it's trying to forecast an M&A or it's trying to forecast um, volatility, right? In the marketplace, which is the NASDAQ.com piece can we actually show earlier movements to volatility than the rest of the market knows because our our belief around this transparency is if there's 300 ceos talking on one day 300 hours of talking mostly ceos will talk on these they know a lot right there's mm. billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars invested in market cap in these companies if you could basically make this gauge right if you can make this value around it and you have a machine that's listened to not not an exaggeration a million hours of these talks right this sophisticated bionic ear could you see the volatility and we actually have shown that as to you know through one of our relationships we've um, promoted it and it's groundbreaking honestly like from mp3 files you can know market volatility from the voices and their tone you can see the markets change like 60 days in the future it's sort of hmm. i don't know it's it's totally sci-fi to me but it's grounded in a ton of a ton of statistics and work and and product that we've done for the last five years so you can tell but so what do you do you you take every earnings call that happens you ingest it and you then scan it for a bunch of different parameters like does this is that what it, is that what is that broadly speaking how it works you, yeah. you you kind of collect these earnings calls analyze them excuse me and then you're, you're you've got markers which is like okay merger acquisition radar is spiking here or market volatility radar is spiking in this cluster of calls like is that broadly speaking how how it goes yep we're gonna get you on the trade desk soon because it is is it roughly <laughs> speaking how we do it right so it's a matter of we have to ingest constant amounts of audio like as much as we can get we ingest so we're ingesting conference calls um, earnings calls the most important investor days special presentations all of it through a fact set fact set relationship and now we're actually looking at other partnerships where we can use their audio so a company called era for instance has even more events we have a relationship with them to analyze it but essentially like you said it's plug into the audio we've now listened to millions of hours right trained a model on a million hours we have this sort of next generation ear much better than, you know, an equity analyst actually I should say this can never listen to that much. It's kind of one of the main theses here, right? Like you couldn't sit down for a million hours. I think it's, I forget how many hundreds of years it is or something, but it's, it's too much, right? 
So we now have the power of the machine and scale that has no, you know, uh, biological constraints. And all of a sudden we hear all the frequencies, we build these models. And like you said, we're pulling out these sort of call it radar, call it signals that can be used. So we don't trade. I mean, that's not our business, right? We want the audio ingestion and intelligence AI. But if you could trade, uh, which a lot of people can, something like market volatility, right? If you knew the market's going to change or had a better signal about the future, they can use that, right? It's a better understanding, back to transparency, it's better understanding and knowledge from tone of voice because you're listening more deeply to the people who are, I mean, honestly, in charge of quite a bit of, you know, important companies, right? Like every public company they're in charge of. Mm. Interesting. So you don't, why don't you trade then? It seems as though you could be, <laughs> you could be, you could keep this to yourself and just run away to the races. Uh, so we uh, were looking at forming some relationships. There's different. So, I mean, the, the short answer is you need a lot of funds, right? Cause it can't, it's not going to 10,000 X, right? So if I put a hundred bucks in, right? A thousand bucks, right? So you'll make a Delta and we're very sure. And we've shown that and our customers are doing that, but you of course need like dollars under management. So for us to even, say even get a $10 million fund, which is for us an undertaking because we haven't run those funds uh, mm. historically ever, right? It's, it's much more work than us being technologists, audio engineers, you know, basically people who've done this. Uh, that's not to say we couldn't partner with a fund to get them access, which we're talking about right now, or make a product where a fund could put in dollars like an ETF. So it's a product where mm. you can invest dollars. Uh, you don't need to buy the signal directly. You're sort of it's a more, you know, mass market way of investing. So we're now exploring those. I mean, it, it's like you're, you're kind of a, a pinpointing. Like we want to capture for Helios value. We certainly have a mission to get this out the door and usable. So that's been priority. <clears throat> but there's definitely ways for us to be more scaled, more um, commercially, I think, scaled, to be honest. Mm. Um, how, do, how did you get to the point where you can say with confidence that i don't know this ceo through his tone of voice there's there's we have a, a certain suspicion that there is a merger coming up for example like how do you get to that point because you need you need data presumably to train your models to be able to detect this kind of stuff so presumably then you would need to what find a bunch of earnings calls dated from x year and then companies where something had transpired and then you're trying to pick up signals in that historic data like how, how do you go about training a model to pick up on merger acquisitions market volatility and stuff like that like i don't, I don't yeah yeah how well do do <laughs> again actually you're you're generally in the right direction of how you would do it so a big piece is called is the historical data so the more you have right the more you can actually train though it takes longer and you use bigger machines but if you have more data points you're going to be more confident on your results, right? So as a call it like a general law of data science and an ML. So that's spot on, right? So we have quite a lot of data now. Three years ago, smaller data set, less confidence in our customers, but now it's all US equities, all calls back 20 years. Uh, like I mentioned, you're a million hours trained, but actually more we've listened to and trained, you know, kind of like older generation models. So we have, you know, massive data set basically satisfies the most hardcore we need a lot of data uh, person. The other part of the I mean, is statistical analysis, right? So you build these models, right? And you actually want to understand their sort of probability ranges. So without getting into too much detail, it's like sort of general statistics, financial backtesting. Do uh, you actually said it, but just in a lot, you know, more jargon way, a lot of these systems and frameworks on how to test data exist, right? So that is a never ending method because you actually could test it in a million ways. You know, could I, change my portfolio drawdown by 6% versus 8%. How does it perform? So it's it's a totally never-ending function, but we've done so much in it now. We've had third parties validate it. We've released some of our research through our website. We've released it through partners. The NASDAQ piece is actually a continued effort in that. But once you have, you know, we've, I would say we sort of knew early this year with our new product. So when we had more data, enough validation in our minds, a lot of it internal, but still some external, you, you sort of look at it and are like, this is working for a lot of these cases, right? It should work. It's definitely no one's doing it. So it's not, not easy, but it's certainly showing results. That means something <clears throat> we've checked and checked again, if we've made mistakes, now we're seeing it with a third party, right? So that is a, 
general parameters or general data testing methods, but, but we see it. So we see it, we release the results and we're constantly looking for more. Um, yeah. And, and realize like, this is, it's pretty wild stuff. <laughs> it's pretty wild that it, it, it exists. <laughs> but you must've had to start from a point of view. You must've had to start with, we know as a human that this tone means that. Did you? Did you have to do something to try and figure out as a, as a very first premise before you build any models to do anything? You must have had to start presumably with some degree of theory or yeah. research around this is what tone of voice means and this is how tone of voice is used in these earnings calls and we believe that our hypothesis is that when a tone of voice goes like this, then that is the case. Did you start out with that kind of you know, yeah. practical research into tone of voice? It's a hundred percent again. So you you keep hitting them on the mark. So we, I mean, even even top of the chain is what I mentioned on transparency. Is even knowing tone of voice should relate. I think is a massive jump actually for people to invest into it because they they would say, well, there's no academic research on this. There's two papers that have existed for the forever. Actually, for all perpetuity, I think there's two, maybe three now, uh, and they're in the last. You know, one's like three years old, one's ten years old. But there's basically even no academics doing this which is sort of even makes it a little even more risky right like usually academics lead the lead everything right lead lead the research because that's what they do so that leap even that transparent you know understanding comes from it is what you're saying right there's a hypothesis there there's a call it a neuroscience meets social psychology meets technology bet um which we believed in that's what my co-founder and i's background truly matched and we said you know i've known for 15 years we knew we could do it then you do what you said, which is now you got to start making hypotheses and research and no one's doing this either on your own around, is it loudness? You know, what does loudness mean? Is loudness the change over like a 20 millisecond spectral band of one to two, right? So without worrying about any of that stuff, I mean, it is exactly like you said, you have to start to understand the neuroscience, the bleeding edge of like emotion detection, the understanding of what financial markets mean, you know, the, even the you know, the slightly to my own horn, the idea that Nasdaq.com is showing this volatility movement that really has robust analysis and it comes from MP3 files, but it shows precursor relationships to major market movements. Like it detects COVID. You can see from people's voices, the volatility spikes from their voices. I mean, that to me is like the, one of the most unbelievable things that I, we've done. I mean, out, it could argue out there right now, but the most unbelievable thing we've done is if you take MP3 files, right? Sound files, no transcripts, no text, anything. And we can show from our models from this rigorous, you know, corpus, and you can see the same event. So it actually comes before COVID, which means people's voices start to sound extremely volatile before this event happens. I mean, it is like you'd expect almost. People probably knew some stuff. People were more exposed to, you know, supply chains out in China it starts to leak out, right? Like it's not because people were hiding things. It's probably because they started to see it and it manifests and you see it, you know, you can see it in our chart that when you overlay it with the stock price, uh, market stock prices, right? It's, it, it's sort of like mind blowing, to be honest. Mm. So NASDAQ is using your solution on its website. Is that what, is that what you're saying? So, so they're through a partner, like a third party research um, options firm. They are, there's a write up on NASDAQ.com because what we've done is show the predictive capabilities for the NASDAQ volatility index. So it's called a VALQ, right. right? So it's a product for them. So they're not using it, but they have a product a lot of people are using, which is VALQ, right? Kind of like a VIX competitor and shows market volatility in a certain way. Certainly has nothing to do with voice, but what we've now shown is this relationship between the two where their product is doing something, you know, NASDAQ makes some pretty wild data products. And they have all this information, you know, we don't, we don't play in that space, but now we have a different signal that you can basically pair them and you can say, well, if the voice is kind of like out of congruence with this VALQ, it actually means you can do something, which is, you know, never before done with voice tone. You know, it's not, it's a hundred percent brand new. Mm. So you need to understand tone, obviously, to do this. And if you you mentioned there, you're not using text, so you're not using anything speech to text or anything like that. It sounds like you're doing the analysis purely on the audio, which means yep. there must be something to do with some frequency analyzer or something where you, it's it's all around the frequencies 
the the voice has within it and and i don't know exactly what a kind of you know you mentioned loudness there's mm-hmm. there's probably a tone of voice a voice is just a series of frequencies and so if someone's got a different tone of voice there's difference in the frequency of the voice that the voice is producing but i don't i don't what i don't get is how you can deduce that a voice has a certain tone because Without hearing that speaker before, how do you know that that's not just the tone that that speaker has? That yeah, so yeah, it does make sense. So it's actually a very similar question to what um, customers or prospects would ask us, right? Because there's a there, there is so much nuance in this that it's exciting to talk about, but easy to get easy for me, I think, to make it confusing at times, or <laughs> for, for one to get you know in a rabbit hole. So to kind of like to kind of like wrap wrap the thinking, it's we're essentially building like a bionic ear right so we have access to all the frequencies coming in all the signals all the you know as as robust as the mp3 file is and actually actually half jokingly <laughs> the microphone right so the microphone mm-hmm. we were just talking about to start this if i'm on my airpods there's actually less information coming less tone the words are still going but versus you know your your cool mic and my cool mic that's actually not now jokingly at all one of the reasons <laughs> i got this set up is I want to make sure my tone of voice comes across versus like a compressed, you know, mm. sounds like I'm an ant or something like, like that, which I'm yeah, losing, yeah. <laughs> you know, losing tone. So we have all these frequencies coming in from our fact set, you know, integration. Right. And what we've done is we can measure whatever we want. Right. We can. But you could think about making an ear that only ha- hears like loudness, like how how useful would that be? Or the fact that ours can hear anything and we know what we're trying to pick up because we know past performance. Right. So this whole giant research slash commercialization and really pioneering work can align. Like the, the trick is knowing where to pinpoint it, right? Because it basically is a totally open ocean. <laughs> like here's the ocean mm. cane. There's a huge, you know, p- a pond of uh, tuna, right? A whole like pot of them, but it's in the ocean, like go find it. So like the whole map of understanding it are basically algorithms and what that means for finance. And there's certainly still more to come, but that has been our endeavor, which is to your question earlier, huge component research, huge component, like non coding, also a huge component, big data compression and analytics and scaled, you know, giant, you know, what are they called? Like N2 monster machines for Google in the cloud. Like these, these big data analysis is a huge other piece and then actually selling it and understanding why it can be applicable as a part. But I mean, we, we know, I mean, I'm trying to summarize it. We know some parts of the past, right? We have the capability that is very unique to actually analyze all of these things. And then there's a process to test them constantly. So we know what's important. We know what we're trying to find. And now we have five years of, you know, proprietary understanding in the space that no one else has. Mm. That's definitely one of the things that I think it's, especially with AI services, the longer you can do it, and get better at it the much harder it becomes for anyone to catch up because you're not <clears throat> it's not like a i don't know like an uber where it's hard enough to get a network of drivers obviously but you've ha- you've got a chance because you don't really need a long runway sort of thing to get there whereas with ai it gets better over time as you ingest more data and improve your models and so you can't really go from a standing cold start to having something that's comparable because you need that time in order to get there sort of thing. So it doesn't surprise me that even if there was another company that was trying to do this kind of thing, they would have a very hard chance, hard task because it's all, it's, it's all to do with timing, isn't it? You know, the longer you can do it, the better you get, the harder it is for others to sort of catch up. I mean, even with decreased costs of computing, right. That are happening, of course, all the time, which, which really enabled us. So there is, certainly cheaper machines and things like this and it can run faster and whatnot. You're talking millions of dollars in processing, actually, unless someone came along mm-hmm. and said, here's the blueprint, here's the IP, like you can cut shortcut things. You'd have to procure like we have all the audio, right? That's not, that's not cheap. You have to then process it, which audio processing is very complex and very compute heavy. Right. And that's before you even know what you're trying to look for. So you make one wrong move and you're computing stuff you don't really need. And then you learn and then you keep, you know, so like you said, there's a massive moat that we've built. We're going to be actually looking at global equity coverage. Uh, we are looking and actually we'll be doing that next year. So talk about another 20x on our data set, basically. And we're talking about now even more data. It is definitely yeah. one of the reasons we're so bullish on the company and why we you know, want to be on as many places that we can talk about. 
and also investing more, you know, bringing more people on in, in the right way, not over over hiring like a lot of people did. But we are, mm-hmm. um, yeah, very excited for what it could be in the future and doing a plug for uh, all the way back to, you know, VUX world, the, the interfaces of the future around voice, right? Which I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. You can see that interface in finance, right? Like it is existing. It is totally critical for understanding and billions of dollars trade on them. So like this hyper important interface and 38% of the messages are gone. They don't, not like I mentioned, not all of them do video. So now you have text and tone and nobody's doing tone. So you have text. Mm. I can't imagine what the world would be like if we only texted each other. If yeah. You can't even do emojis, just text. No. Like you said, how would you know if you're being sarcastic? How would you know if you're being yeah. angry, right? You lose it all. Yeah. Does that full stop mean that they're angry? Like what's going on? <laughs> well, yeah. it's, a, it's a real thing. I mean, or, or you deploy people to listen to them and now you have a one person's bias doing everything. I mean, it's exactly what I saw at Spotify, which is why it's so, you know, without there any overlap in exactly what we did, the concepts are so applicable, right? Like how do you recommend mm-hmm. music? I listened to 55,000 minutes of music one year. Like our, I think wow. it was actually the most in the company, but it was like 36 <laughs> days of living of music. Cause I just always have it on. So I got pretty good at, at knowing what music was but it still got paired with a machine. Like there were still massive advantages of pairing it. And mm-hmm. I was like 24 or five hardcore. I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. But it's like, um, we know that's the future. So an equity analyst could be paired with it. Or if you just have machines, you could actually now have this information, but I can't to, uh, <laughs> joking aside, like I can't imagine just not having 38% of a message, right? It's huge, huge loss. Hmm. I lost you for a, for a split second just at the back end of that there, but I got the, I got the gist, and hopefully the recording when it comes out is uh, includes it. But um, so is that the the buyer then, an equity analyst? Is that who is ultimately going to hand over the dollars to Helios? So there's a team. I mean, it's actually funny they probably don't think about it like a, a user experience or a UX or anything, right? But they um, so there's a team around a equity analyst, so or as part of it, but there's like portfolio managers, equity analysts, right? Research teams, they have software as part of it. Some, some don't, right? But think of it like a group that are making these decisions in one way or another. We sell into those teams because we're saying, you know, they're saying that pitch is like, do you believe that you need to have intelligence in these companies? Do you believe in this transparency bit? Are you actually already investing in text technologies to understand people for whatever particular, you know, way you trade? That um, That's who we sell to, right? So then we say like, well, just like I'm, what I'm saying now and telling you is why, why would you not want that to 38%, you know, just because it's new. But I mean, I'm telling people a fact that I haven't made up, <laughs> you know, it helped drive the company, but it is clearly a massive lane. Use your example of like people saying two sentences, two different ways. You know, I, I don't think there's a lot of sarcasm on earnings calls probably, but there are clearly tone changes. Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't have them, uh, then you don't have them. You you probably are making worse decisions without them. Mm. And it sounds as though, from what you've explained there, millions of hours worth of audio ingested, lots of computing power required to analyze those, lots of kind of like experiments, presumably, that have been run and then tested on this audio and then iterated and tested again. So you've had, and then you've had to license the calls in the first place. So it sounds as though you've ha- you've had to kind of like, you know, do a lot of work, but also none of that stuff is free. So how yeah. how did you actually do that then? Were you funded? Was it kind of just like, you know, you would do something and get a customer, the customer would fund things? Like, how have you managed to, to get to where you are from, from zero? Yeah, it's been um, a, a lot of work, a lot of hours and uh, from a co-founder and I and the team. <clears throat> but I mean, some of the tangibles are, yeah, we've raised over a million dollars in seed funding from some, uh, well, actually a bunch of individuals. We did a crowdfunding campaign in the summer. So we had 212 extra um, individuals actually as part of our overall cap table. So that was, uh, I think nice. to me, probably one of the, I mean, it was 166 of the 1.1 million basically, but it's a exciting thing when you see it start to like make sense to a lot more people. Um, we have a bunch of, you know, sort of, um, traditional angels like entrepreneurs and, and others and MBA all-stars on our cap table, you know, a bunch of individuals who own technology companies, um, you know, $50,000 check. So they certainly are a good validation too, but that, that scaled, uh, crowdfunding was very interesting, you know, hundred dollars from people who see it. And I mean, all over the world, they were seeing it and they're like, you know, well, they don't invest $10,000 or a hundred thousand, but they saw it and they believed in it. And 
and we didn't even know all of them, which is kind of, to me, actually very wild. So very exciting. <clears throat> so that's one piece. I mean, we have customers on board. You know, this is not um, or our enterprise product is, you know, more premium of an offering. So that certainly is um, designed because of the cost, like you mentioned. Right. We have some mm-hmm. costs. We certainly want to build a profitable uh, and, and essentially our break even actually company, but built the um, you know data intelligence into a, an offering premium offering. We also in September launched a much more entry offering. So it's sort of a dashboard access, right? So it's the actually traditional SaaS now, not, you know, not data integrations or mm. anything complicated. Very simple, very easy. Was a call good? Was the call bad? You can get more complicated, but that's the heart of it. So that's available um, as well. So those start to power, right? The revenue itself can power, can power the organization. And then we, um, you know, have a dedicated team, right? We have around 10 individuals. Two years ago, I want to say it was a handful of individuals when we really like started to hit, you know, some sales this year, you know, we're near 10 uh, data analysts supporting us, uh, an intern, for instance, supporting us, uh, who's fantastic. We have um, sales, you know, coming on. We have actually some very prominent advisors supporting us in a you know non full time role. And that, you know, that's shaped a very, I think, progressive, um, innovative company. Mm. I think it's always good to see that sort of crowdfunding thing happening because it means that you've got a good product and people are willing to put the money where the mouth is. I think sometimes it can be quite challenging um, for some companies that think they have a good idea. And obviously, you know, the whole kind of idea and, and every startup that you'll see should be doing the things that you've kind of outlined, which is, you know, finding those assumptions, researching them, building something that thinks that you think can prove prove out your your kind of hypothesis and then iterating iterating your way there um but but it takes a while sometimes for some companies to find that product market fit whereas it seems as though right from the off you've kind of were onto something and people are obviously willing to put the money where their mouth is to get there which is great um of those customers and those teams that are kind of using the product you mentioned there that uh uh, one one of the I can't remember exactly which question I asked you now, but you said it was a question that customers ask you. What are some of the other questions, like some of the sort of like I don't know curveball questions, or some of the sort of like even just the common questions that a, a customer will have for you when you when you get on a call with them? You're telling them about the importance of tone. You're telling them that they've missed out on thirty eight percent of all of the data that they've been trying to analyze so far. What are some of the convers- some of the questions that you get in those calls? I mean, at that point, I just, I just calmly slide a contract across the virtual desk and everyone, <laughs> everyone starts signing. And everyone goes on. <laughs> they're like, well, they're like, I can't can, uh, not have it. But we, so you're, I would say, and this is actually, it's great because I think nine out of the 10 questions, I don't know exactly how many, but say all of them, but maybe one have been uh, what we do get asked. I mean, this is such a new space that we don't, we have no need to overcomplicate it. We certainly could get ultra confusing probably across the board. I mean, our product can allow a researcher to find things we don't know. I mean, that is that is like very, very possible if they dedicate the time. But we have had to distill it to a lot of the things you're asking. I mean, you're you, you know, you think about technology you're in voice. So you're asking very close to all the same questions of, you know, help me understand it a little, you know, give me an example of it crazy enough like we use tone all the time but like the connection is so new still the parkinson's one is closer that's why i always use it because like mm. people are familiar with a tremor but what does a, a sound sound like that means i'm gonna acquire a company you know it's like too abstract for most people if you mm. ask an equity analyst though actually they say like they can't describe it but they're like oh i know that i know that sound when they're not quite or when they're you know really excited about something like they have actually the sounds kind of known in their head <clears throat> or like mm. i did at spotify the other one I would say too, which is a little more, maybe a little more concrete, um, is transparency of the company is a question that we get, which is also a reason we did the crowdfunding because we had to file our form C, which has, I mean, they're self-accredited financials, but they're financials that are out there. Like mm. our form C is what, 45 pages with the SEC. We'll be doing actually um, general solicitation for investors through our website. Like we have overly because we, we buy into this. That's like who we are. We're overly committed to the transparency part. Like we're not trying to be crypto companies zapping, um, you know, money out of people's wallets and freezing exchanges or all the other people, you know, who've done not great things, honestly. <clears throat> like we believe in it, right? We believe in the transparency. We're not a public company. So analyzing my voice tone won't, won't shift markets probably uh, yet. 
but what we've done is uh, really stand behind it. So that is a question that comes up. Like you've asked it, you asked it too, but just more deep questions on the organization, like how many customers, how, you know, what, what, um, what's another good one? Like backgrounds on us, for instance, like our, you know, mm -hmm. our chief revenue officer, what was he selling previous to this just to help understand it. Um, my background means a lot, right? So the idea of, you know, transparency, being open about it, putting it out there, you know, I think it's, mm. it's all in the thread of the voice tone, right? We actually try to get my voice out there more, which is why this is so important because we want mm. people to hear what I'm saying, reach out, ask me a question. I mean, I probably can't answer everyone, but <laughs> at least hear what we're <laughs> saying, not trying to be, you know, at all black boxed. Um, mm. And that comes up actually quite a bit about the organization and we're, you know, all for it. Yeah, that's good. What um, is there a difference? There'd be a lot of people listening to this that you know work in voice AI, familiar with voice AI technologies. You know, yep. a lot of contact centers and things like that have been using things like sentiment analysis and bio, uh, you know, voice biometrics for for a while, and a lot of that kind of analyzes tone and stuff like that. So, is is there any distinct differences between? what you're talking about and say sentiment analysis that listens to an audio and, and determines whether someone's happy or sad, for example, or biometrics so I, that profiles somebody's voice print and matches that against what they have on file to authenticate that someone is who they say they are. Yep. Yeah. yeah great question. So I think those are, they are very close, right? What I've seen from doing as much as I can, because I'm still in, you know, focused on finance, right? Is that an idea like, um, uh, like Google has the NLP, piece for for just text right doing transcripts or mm. deep gram who we have a relationship with those transcripts and everyone's got you know slight swizzle of languages or whatever uh what we haven't seen is a generalized tone component because i think you know a couple things it's more nuanced um it's it's more nuanced which means the academics are lagging behind it which means it's actually not as progressed as tone or text i'm sorry so tone is bleeding edge um but it certainly is being looked at now but I have not seen a general one. There's certainly like examples of some, like you said, maybe it's happy or sad classification, kind of like general valence. Um, you'd need more than that to connect it to meaning, you know, because like an example is words immediately have meaning because we've classified what a dictionary is. There is no tone dictionary. So without a tone dictionary, how do you take a happy or sad? What does it mean if I'm happy or sad on this call? I mean, look, I'm definitely happy. <laughs> what does it mean? It means I'm excited about the future. It means I think, you know, uh, well, I would love to stay in touch and talk about certain things, but like, how does that impact future events, which means you can do something with it? There is no tone dictionary, right? So, so Parkinson's again, using that example, that's closest to a dictionary because it's a medical dictionary, right? So now you can go about it and do that. So, and also they're not using a general tone analyzer. They built their own, you know, they built their own internal systems for it. So I think it's going that way, you know, like the GPT-3 stuff that is not, I mean, that's a, a piece of voice, right? Like GPT-3 with all these abilities to, to um, understand, like, and, and communicate basically. And eventually, you know, speech analytics and transcriptions and things like that, which will be hyper, hyper accurate across languages and kind of already are. Uh, that's the direction we're trying to push. So, I mean, I think there'll be a ton of innovation in it towards that tone dictionary. I think some give you that out of the bat. There's certainly no financial one, really. <clears throat> and then there's certainly even less around interactions like this, you know, like what would it mean if I saw a little gauge that said happy or sad, like it would be something around like a, us understanding one another better or like the ability to have a, a, a more clear relationship in the future or, or I don't know, misunderstanding would be minimized. But those are all mm -hmm. now bleeding edge research questions, right? So one would and I would, you know, perfect opportunity on anyone listening to this is there is a huge open domain for it, you know. Guaranteed it's worth mm. a fortune and everything too for anyone thinking about the economics because like sales, right? Sales conversions. You mentioned customer service. What if you knew the tech sentiment versus how the tone sounded? What does that mean? Marketing, right? What is marketing when you can understand a commercial? Talk to any sound engineer or any producer. <clears throat> they're going to tell you sound is everything. Anyone in Spotify with music will tell you you want to right, mix the music perfectly. The sound is everything. So it's, um, it's everywhere. Mm. People do have very, even if they don't realize it, they have very sensitive ears. You know when something sounds bad. You know when something's not good. You know when something's kind of like needs your attention. So the ears and sound, I do definitely concur. They're really important. Where where You kind of alluded to some other examples there of where this stuff might be used. Where else do you think that that this could be used? I think you highlighted a real crucial part there, which is that 
there's no tone dictionary that translates tone into meaning. I think the meaning part is the the real crux of it, isn't it? Like in, in your examples, the meaning is this company is going to acquire another or be acquired or the, the CEO sounds uncomfort, uh, unconfident or uncomfortable, which means that the company is in danger, which means that we should think about selling the stock or whatever it might be. So I can understand how that in this domain, tone equals meaning. What other examples do you think where this could go in future? Other use cases where where you have a hypothesis that the tone means something that you think this might be able to kind of extend in, or you're not really thinking in those terms. You're just focusing solely squarely on on nailing this this industry yeah, in this yeah, use yeah. case. <clears throat> so hopefully my tone of voice gets this one across too, because we <laughs> so we get that all the time. So depending on the conversation, I get that all the time on investors. It's like we've talked to a bunch of VCs. We're not trying to do that right now, but we're obviously having conversations about it with partners and companies. Uh, it comes up a lot with what else could this do? Like, what is that? Mm. What? How do you get to a hundred million? Then how do you get to a billion? You know, people always mm. frame it like that. So, so it's funny because we are laser focused on making this happen because it's enough work for us, and we need to see it fully materialize. Like, to mm. honestly, feel good about ourselves. I think that we've done done it. So we're not trying to jump around, but <clears throat> we've thought about it a lot because we do want to set ourselves up for the future. Like we. Don't want to say, oh, it's it's worked in finance. Every you know, every uh, hedge fund in the world uses it, and now we're done. You know, like I don't, mm. I don't think that's in our DNA. So, I mean, very concretely, like marketing is is a thread that we've explored pretty deeply. <clears throat> so, still top of the funnel, but pretty deeply compared to mm. anything else. One of our advisors is a um, great guy, Donald Buckley, former oh, chief yeah. marketing officer at Showtime. Do yeah, great. Yeah, <laughs> so he yeah, is yeah, a. Yeah. Super smart guy. Love it because he comes at it from the marketing angle, right? So not not I wouldn't say by coincidence that it made sense to him, made sense to, to us, me, and uh, has given us a lot of good a lot of good thinking. Um, just not ready to like quite act on it, right? We're, we're kind of planning, but marketing. I mean, use an example like a pre run on a commercial, right? Or uh, even a finance commercial, actually. But any commercial that could run, you could score it, right? So they do consumer surveys right now, like Gen Z or whatever. They'll send out uh, notifications in an app. They'll get you to respond to a commercial for 60 seconds. And all of a sudden now you have the same exact problem around tone. <laughs> like, is are they being sarcastic when they answer it? Or, you know, how do you actually digest that information? Right. Not even the commercial itself, like the people's reaction to the commercials where you get your information has the, now the exact same UX problem as what we've identified. So not only do we have this to again, to your question, this robust engine to produce and test data, and we think about it like that. So, it, I mean, that by itself is a lot, a lot of IP and a lot of mm. long, long nights. But we know that marketing has um, firms around market research and analytics to help understand the consumers better. So it's, mm -hmm. you, you know, I, I look at it and I, it's, um, I don't know, it's not hindsight. It's a foresight, I guess. But I look at it and I can think it looks so much like Spotify when I was there. It looks so much now like what we're doing and now we're designing for it that, enriching those understandings, right? Adding transparency to the surveys, understanding the commercials themselves with the sounds and the tones, right? It doesn't have to be the music. Like we really don't touch music. It's a different acoustic um, piece and, and by itself very valuable, but different. That for us is, is coming. We certainly won't defocus ourselves, but when I think about like next major vertical for Helios that we could apply our stuff in, it would be, Let's go talk to some of the uh, the CFOs of some of the larger entertainment companies and talk about optimization of their marketing funnel because we've optimized portfolios for hundred billion dollar hedge funds. I think they'll I think they'll take the call. Um, and I think someone will buy buy it. Mm, definitely, that's a head turner. Um, so as you start getting into these sort of use cases, I suppose in in this in this particular example that you're focusing on right now. It's public information, it's public calls that are shared with the public, and you're you're analyzing data that is essentially freely available data. Not necessarily freely available, you might have to buy it or license it. So public, correct. It's yeah. public information, isn't it? Yeah. And so yeah. I don't see there being anyone can do anything you they want with that data kind of thing. When it comes to these other examples, like analyzing people's response to an advert or, you know, let's say, for example, a contact center could, could use it to be able to recognize yep. the tone of someone 
that has a pattern that correlates to cancelling. So this yeah, person yeah. speaking like this is going to cancel on this call. Um, or this person right now is really super motivated to buy, close the sale. And so you can yeah. have AI assistants either working with agents, listening to the call and, and helping them with things like that. Like this person is now ready to buy, but you know, go off, offer the sale or whatever. Or you can have AI systems, conversational AI systems that take that data that can then manipulate conversations accordingly. So as you start getting into those use cases, you, you're not then necessarily using publicly available data. You're using fresh data in every interaction and potentially yep. using data that the user doesn't understand what what's happening to it. You know, it doesn't might not necessarily understand like that this activity is even happening. You know, remember what happened with Amazon Alexa when it got found out that they were sending recordings to for the Philippines or whatever, and a bunch of third party contractors were listening to recordings, and everyone went crazy. But Apple turns out they were doing the exact same thing. So there is potentially in as you move into different use cases, going to be a kind of ethical and to use your kind of language transparency kind of bridge to cross sort of thing. I don't know if you've had any any thoughts about how that might be kind of approached. Yeah, well, a couple of things come out. One is this call is being recorded for quality assurance purposes, so mm. please uh, please make note. But but certainly, like, <laughs> we, I think at the very top of the funnel, like, we couldn't do business in a partnership where we're not comfortable in that transparency as well. So, I mean, that... I mean, certainly should mean something, but of course that is, that is me saying something <clears throat> versus like fully auditable something. So it's mm-hmm. one piece of the puzzle, but I mean, that, that does drive us, right? Like we would want, of course, those, um, clear, like privacy statements to be said that would be available for someone you know, on the other end. Like we're definitely always, I mean, that's why I say it. That's why we're definitely doing. So that's one piece of the puzzle. I mean, certainly it's, um, a part of an interaction, right? It's becoming more familiar that Helios doesn't, you know, doesn't drive is privacy as a tenant of voice communications, you know, VoIP communications. I mean, I'm, I think everyone probably would know for now from just hearing me, like where I would stand on that, like it, it should be known, you know, it's probably baked in terms and conditions for some software, right? So now they're covered legally. And now there's a whole question, is that transparent enough or not? So, I mean, I'm mm. very much for it. I think there's also a big piece where like it is to enhance an experience. Cause I mean, how many times have you called, I mean, those, what are they, the, I forgot what they're called. The, the, like automatic uh, prompts. I'm just going to try to remember the right word. Oh, yeah, but like the, IVR, you, the IVR. IVR, assistance. yeah, right. Yeah, IVRs, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you call IVRs and you get upset and you have to the zero over and over again, right? Yeah. Like, why is it not listening to me be upset and only needs to use loudness? Like, it would be the world's simplest, probably billion dollar idea <laughs> that someone would probably go do after <laughs> they, they think about it. But it just has to have like an ambient, basically like a Hey Siri thing in the background listening. And then all of a sudden, like a very simple characteristic of being angry would matter in that situation, but it doesn't, you know, they aren't doing that. You hit zero and you still get punted out. So I think there's, you know, we're certainly doing it to improve scenarios. I mean, there's, there's, I think like any technology ways you could apply it and maybe like hidden non-transparent, you know, I don't know, you'd, you'd not want to know that you're ready to buy or something, right? Like it's a little too forward or something like that but i i think with tone there's a, a likelihood that it's easier to always be more un, like understood right like we're using it to be understood to begin with why would we want the machine to discount it like if it could understand it it seems like in most situations it's going to be positive but yeah i mean i'm I, I like to know when i'm being recorded it's laws in california it's laws for biometrics in illinois you know gdpr added some certain pieces around biometrics in europe which is why actually we haven't started collecting European um, or you're selling European audio, right? And mm. doing that yet, the global piece. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, there's lots of parts of it, but I'm uh, definitely an advocate for the transparency piece, like understanding when, when voice is going to be used. And if you tell me it's probably going to make my experience better and I don't have to hit zero, I would think a lot of people would like that, right? Like I'd, I mm. wanted to know, not just, not just like punch me to uh, the other IVR chain. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's definitely, as long as there's value in it, then I I think a lot of people are game for it. It's, I suppose there is, there's a line somewhere, isn't there though, with a voice user interface, it's, you can't always kind of be completely transparent as such, because you can't say this call is being recorded 
and we're going to listen to your tone in case we detect that you're motivated to purchase or you're going to cancel. Plus, we're going to listen to your sentiment to know when to escalate you to an agent. And we're also going to record these calls and send anything that we don't understand to agents. To it just gets very difficult to kind of to do it all. So it'll be, inter- oh, yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. to see yeah. how it how it goes because it's you know the the where it is now. Is fantastic, you know. It's it's from what you've explained. Um, having technology that is able to literally pick up on signals that humans can't, and that's the whole point of AI is is to be able to do things better than humans can, to be able to make all of our lives better. And I think, you, by the sounds of things, you know, you're proving that to be the case. Um, and as long as everyone kind of, as you've been saying this whole time, acts transparently and acts ethically and builds technology in the right kind of way then this thing in future god knows where it could go you know it could be could be fantastic so i wish you uh wish you absolutely all the best and thanks for joining us i appreciate it very much ken yeah we see a very bright future for all this of course like any technology needs to be shaped by the right people and and done in the right things but i think tone uh luckily is inherently like if you could say it it's a good thing right like we don't want to be misunderstood we just like language want you to understand my english we want my tone to be understood too. So very important. And yeah, very, very happy you took the time to um, chat with me. It was awesome being on this. Perfect. Cheers, Sean. Appreciate it. Thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget, join me next Thursday when we speak to TalkDesk around conversational commerce in the exclusive VUX webinar next Thursday, December the 8th, VUX.LA forward slash commerce to sign up, or you can go to VUX.World and hit the events tab. Until the next one, we'll see you soon.